0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Splash Play Podcast. We do fantasy, we do DFS, we do sports betting, and we help you win your league. We're coming off another week with lots of rookie sensations. We got Justin Herbert, Michael Pittman, all of these guys. Is this the era of the rookie spags?
1: I think, you know, you said it best the other week, Pete, where you said these guys just keep getting younger, you stay the same age. And I think there's a lot of sexy rookie meat we could talk about. Oh, God, (laughs) this is the intro, and I'm saying sexy rookie meat. But you know what we've got? We've got Take the L. We've got the ride or die picks for tomorrow's Monday night football game. We've got the waiver wire snake draft. And we've also got a special segment once again for the season long players out there the guys who are going to win your season long league in 2020 for you, the players, not the assholes in the league with. Either way, Pete, stall for me for 10 seconds, or stall for me for five minutes while I put up the theme song.
0: (laughs) Yes, I can stall because we also had Taysom Hill Week, and Taysom Hill Week must be discussed, and that's exactly what we're going to do after the jump.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Splash Play, where I might have cut Pete off a little bit. I'm sure there's going to be some genius coming out of his mouth about Taysom Hill on this, our Taysom Hill Day But it's uh, another week here, Splash Play, and an exciting one for us because we got an announcement coming about our Thanksgiving show schedule which is going to light your world on fire, everyone. But we'll get to that in a little bit. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined once again by your favorite Twitter fleet creator as well as fantasy comedy king. He's Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete?
0: I'm doing good, man. I had, um, this was one of my better main slates for DFS in a while. So it feels good. You know, like the way we play trying to get first, we can, uh, eat shit a lot of weeks in a row. So it's always nice to be reminded that we're, uh, on the right track.
1: Yeah, I was uh, feeling good about some parts of the slate, feeling not as good about the back half of the slate, but we'll talk about that in a little bit here. If you are a new person here to Splash Play, either in podcast form or in YouTube form, uh, make sure you're giving us some support. Give us five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts and on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe. And also make sure to follow at Splash Play Pod on Twitter or Instagram. We're following back the first thousand people on there. So get in while the getting's good. Get in before we're big time and everybody left and right. That is what we'll be doing, I'm sure, hopefully soon enough. I really want a big time, people. But either way, we are here for you guys. So make sure to follow at Splash Play Pod. And I guess the announcement, Pete, I'll let you make it here because uh, this was something that we landed on. I was going to say, like, this is your brainchild. It was really something we just both thought was a good idea. But, Pete, what are we giving the people as a little special treat for them as we head into Thanksgiving?
0: Yeah, I mean, we normally focus on the Sunday night recap and then our Thursday night show getting you ready for the main slate, but we have the biggest short slate of the year here on Thursday, which is the Thanksgiving slate. I I mean, I literally cannot imagine going to Thanksgiving and not having uh, way too much money down on a three-game slate, and so Spags and I are going to get you prepared for that. We are aiming for Tuesday around 3 or 3.30 p.m. Eastern, and we are, Spags, We're going to do a a live show, our first ever live show. So it's going to be a a very... Fun time all
1: around. Yo, normally Splash Play, we record uh, live to tape, I think is the technical old school broadcasting way of saying it, but we record uh, straight away. Don't cut, don't do a whole lot here unless, God forbid, something terrible happens or we just mess up an intro. But for the most part, we go live. So uh, we're ready for this. We're ready for this moment, but we want to see you guys turn out. So make sure to keep your eyes peeled to all the Twitter handles at Peter Rovers, at Chris Spags, at Splash Play Pod. And we'll have the stream on YouTube as well, assuming I think we have that capability. I guess we'll find out on Tuesday altogether together if not It'll be Periscope, and we'll distribute it however we need to. But that's the big news. Then Friday will be the other episode of Splash Play. We're not going to do it Thursday night because I think we all are going to be feeling fat and drunk and possibly belligerent after losing money (laughs) on all the games. So uh, we will do a show on Friday. So that is when you'll get your usual weekly show. Um, Not sure if we'll have a guest or not yet, but you know how we do things there. You'll have we'll either have somebody great or we'll have two great people and me and Pete. So that's a real win-win for everybody out there. And uh, real fast, I guess while we're doing the housekeeping gotta get the plug to our friends over at thrive fantasy who uh i don't even know if you know this because you probably didn't check yet you know who won our free roll today or not a free roll our three dollar contest today on thrive fantasy it's you you dick (laughs) well pending the results of this game because the sunday night game is on it but you are currently in first place
0: how many how many people do we get in it
1: um, I think we got uh, a little bit under 30 so it was Gosh. a $3 one. Yeah, we had the free roll last week. Then Thrive was like, you you people are not putting asses in the seats. And then they were like, now you have to pay. Um, So we did the contest. I don't know if we'll have one next week or not. We're still supporting Thrive. Thrive has been great, giving us a chance here. But uh, Pete, you are now. Another thing to add to your Twitter names, if you want, if Thrive extends the ad deal, you could be the Thrive Fantasy Prop Bet King. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. I, uh, I kind of, I'm, I pulled it up now and I'm, I'm now wishing it was bigger because I went, it looks like it went nine for 10, uh, on mine, uh, pending this one. So, uh, people are getting mad at me because I also, I have my, uh, bankroll challenge league, the 200 league on DK. And I put my lineup that I had in the spy that did really well. So I won that one too. (laughs) And now I feel like an asshole um but i uh you know come join and play with us i promise i'm not this good normally
1: it's like an episode of the office where jim gives employee of the month to pam and then <laughs> <Yes. hits>
0: himself. <laughs> it's himself i just want we we rewatched the office uh like a, a couple months ago and uh that episode is is fresh in my mind he's trying to like backtrack and there's just no way you can get out of it you just have to say yes i won my own leagues i'm sorry
1: so, either way, Pete is crushing everywhere, but, but you know, ch- play on Thrive Fantasy, use the promo code SPLASH, they'll match your deposit up to $50, and as Pete has showed you, I mean, you've seen the Ride or Die picks every week, though, oh shit, I hope Willis updated the sheet, because I didn't today. Well, either way, we'll see <laughs> We'll see when we get there, um, but Pete's been crushing it uh, on Thrive, so that shows you, you see the picks every week, you know that we have maybe a 50% hit rate on the Ride or Die picks if we're being generous, and you go on Thrive and win money, so play on ThriveFantasy.com, download Thrive Fantasy in the App Store or the Google Play Store, use that promo code splash for a deposit match up to $50 and Pete I like that you're part of the ad campaign now where it's like even Pete could win <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, we had the old, you know, DraftKings commercials and the big checks and all that. It's like, we need to do the thrive one. Even, even I could win and look, I'll, I'll tell you how the special sauce gets made. I pull up the projection systems I use. I like looking at osmos I look like looking at the blitz and I literally just go through and see where there's a huge discrepancy between the projection and the line there, and then just try to grab the best one. So I promise you, I'm not a genius. I am just good at looking at one number compared to another number there and, uh, and pressing the button so you too can crush on Thrive.
1: so there you go so make sure you're playing along with us at thrivefantasy.com and uh, week 11 big stories and you know Pete had his big win had a nice showing in the spy had his his thrive fantasy takedown but it won't compare to another person who every single week shows up in the splash play YouTube comments DMs Pete and I asking hey how'd my lineup do guys it's Winston he's won a million dollars. he or she I guess I don't know if Winston is male or female don't want to assume a million dollars once again Pete to one of our cherished splash play community 11 straight weeks and we've said it before Darren Rovell, nowhere to be found, too busy holding his junk, tugging away all day long. And uh, <laughs> I think that's just what his Twitter is, just basically him metaphorically doing that, or perhaps literally. But Winston does it once again.
0: Yeah, let us uh, let me hear this lineup, because I, I imagine it's a lot of plays we touted on Thursday. I mean, to continue this streak of our listeners shipping millions of dollars. I mean, there has not been another show in the history of fantasy and DFS that has yielded this many millionaire maker winners. It's, it's honestly staggering.
1: The people, we just don't get the credit. Like today, this morning, I, I didn't actually tell you this, Pete, yet, but uh, this morning, I technically broke the PJ Walker starting news before Adam Schefter corrected his tweet. He put out a tweet saying that Teddy Bridgewater's active. My friend, who uh, I don't want to say where he works, but he works at a large broadcasting network that had the game today, <laughs> the Panthers Lions game. And he was actually sending me news from the game, and his AD called and was like, wait a minute, your, your injury report's not in, but Schefter was reporting that he's active. And they were like, no, he's like an emergency QB. It's going to be Walker starting. And I tweeted it out before anybody else on the internet. You know what it got, Pete? Like, fucking three likes, because that's what happens when I try to report something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow, you know, you have to build up your cred as a yeah. as a newsbreaker. Um, that was so. I like do a live show from eleven to noon, and I have like a a, peer, a segment on there where I do the inactive's corner. And so it comes through, and I'm like, oh, Teddy Bridgewater is active, and then I share that, and then I'm looking at TweetDeck again, and then it's like he's not active, and and PJ Walker starting. It was all very confusing.
1: Yeah, we will talk about PJ Walker. Unfortunately, he did not come through in this Millionaire Maker winning lineup, but a man at his price point did, a guy who uh, we frankly should have talked about a little bit more, I think. Uh, Pete made his his jokes about the tight end position on FanDuel, and, and then when I did the crunching of the numbers on Friday, I was like, oh crap, I'm actually going to play some Taysom Hill too. Taysom Hill, the, the winning QB here, Pete, uh, not stacked up, naked Taysom Hill. He's in great shape, so that's going to pay off in multiple ways, but Taysom Hill, uh, not stacked Michael Thomas, gets into Millionaire Maker winning lineup. How do you feel about this play? Because honestly, I thought he was the best value play on the slate. And if you don't have Aaron Rodgers going off, you don't have those high upside guys in the higher price points. Justin Herbert, I guess, you know, played well, but, but not much better than Taysom. And that's what gets the million dollars.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I actually think it's really sharp because I I knew Taysom Hill was a good points per dollar value play, but I was having such a hard time stacking him. Like I thought Alvin Kamara was too expensive. I was like, Jared Cook yeah I could do that but whatever and then Michael Thomas did look good but I'm like 7300 like what are the odds that Taysom Hill can actually support Michael Thomas with a ceiling game here uh when the play all along was just to run it naked and just scoop the value and then correlate the rest of the way so shout out to Winston here for approaching that and what about the irony of a guy whose username sounds like Winston using <laughs> Taysom Hill naked I mean it's just, it's just too beautiful
1: it's true. Sometimes you got to rub it in poor Jameis Winston's face as Taysom Hill did today with a perfectly serviceable game that we'll talk about more in a second. His running backs, actually, I guess it's point, worth pointing out, uh, he did not stack up Taysom Hill. He did not run it back. So that's another big thing, which normally doesn't pay off. But I do think when you have a QB, and this actually might be the mistake I make with Lamar Jackson over and over again that we've talked about on here, where you know maybe you don't need to run it back with those guys. Maybe you just let them stand on a pure projection basis. You know, Normally for the the large tournaments for the G. PPs on DraftKings on FanDuel even on Thrive you're trying to get some leverage on the field and you know and the way that you're trying to capitalize on an upside of a game where you know if the game goes off there's a lot of scoring usually the quarterback's gonna have a good day the wide receivers are gonna have a good day so you're trying to make sure you capture that and then also the other team has to play from behind and is trying to catch up or maybe built a big lead and that's how that happens so um, there's a lot of logical reasons why you correlate but this one, this one did not. Just straight up naked Taysom Hill. At running back, he had Dalvin Cook and Salvin Ahmed. Ahmed, I guess I should get that right. It's,
0: it's I, I I hit up Laird for the pronunciation. It's Savon Ahmed. And I was getting their last name right, but I was saying Salvan too, and it's Savon Ahmed.
1: You know, I saw that on Twitter too. I think the issue for me is with these guys' names. Look, I respect them having different names. I'll try my best. But ultimately, I feel like if you're going to throw in, like, if you have an L in your name, like, I'm sorry. I want to pronounce the L every time.
0: You know, I know. I I made the same exact mistake. Someone was a total asshole to me. They're like, "Why are you saying Ahmed?" As if like you, know, it's just like, uh, well, I that's his last name so that's why i'm saying it like that.
1: well and of course you've been (laughs) operating a sleeper cell for a while (laughs) i think that's the subtle implication of that that i was not
0: going to say what he made because i'm trying to keep this show um you know above board but uh yeah that was the implication there but uh, we can all be grown-ups
1: yeah Uh, so now i see now i feel like i have to pronounce savan ahmed correctly each time to spite that dude because you know look it's people have different names people have different cultures either way other people in this lineup keenan allen um and then also adam thielen this is something pete and i were talking Talking about Before we came on the air, where in both the afternoon slate and the main slate, I had good amounts of Thielen, had good amounts of Keenan Allen. They didn't come together for me, Pete, but you actually landed on some Adam Thielen just by chance and ended up working out really well for you, too.
0: Yeah. He wasn't a guy that I had in my builds initially, but when I had some teams that bombed, like I had a lot of teams with Lamar to uh, Marquise Brown. So when Marquise Brown does a zero and I know I'm not winning anything and I'm going to not be able to catch people who have Dalvin Cook, I was like, all right, let's pivot Dalvin Cook to Adam Thielen. But what's so crazy about what Winston did here is played both of them, which intuitively is tough for me without Cousins because you're like, all right, generally you think Dalvin Cook or Adam Thielen is going to get the work in the red zone and that they're going to be negatively correlated. The one thing I did like is that they brought it back with CeeDee Lamb. Like if Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen go off, someone on the Cowboys is going to score some points. So I do like that. But man, I don't know about you, but I would guess if Winston, as one of our guests, ever hopped on the show, they would admit that they hand-built this lineup because this looks like a classic Saturday night listening to splash play, drinking a few beers, just firing off a lineup on your phone.
1: Yeah, one other way too. another thing that normally not a plus EV move, but can work out in a millionaire maker situation. You play Dallas Goddard at tight end played the Browns defense and you know, that's something where uh, it's happened a couple weeks ago and somebody's like, well, yeah, it makes sense. You could play the Washington defense against Daniel Jones and also play McLaurin because Daniel Jones sucks and it's like yeah, that's true. It's not normally how it's going to work out, but uh, the Browns just being good enough getting that touchdown, the fumble recovery touchdown I believe it was um or was it no it was an interception touchdown they also got a fumble recovery (laughs) Carson Wentz is a fucking disaster
0: (laughs) oh I know and I mean like I I kind of get it it's not the best spot on the road it's rainy in Cleveland but yeah he he looks atrocious and I mean he is what one game away half a game away from them putting Jalen Hurts in Mm. it has to be really soon
1: that would be very exciting to see Jalen Hurts out there. Closing out this lineup, Deontay Johnson to, I guess, another Pennsylvania team. Maybe this guy, a big Pennsylvania guy. We don't know Winston well enough. He's a man of mystery, but uh, we do know he's a splash play Listener listeners won another million dollars. So congratulations to Winston and everybody else out there who won this week. And uh, Pete, one guy who didn't win this week, Joe Burrow, the rookie, the guy who was the number one pick, who came in with all the hype in the world and so far really lived up to it, it seems, uh, tore his ACL, it looks like. He tweeted pretty fast. Actually had a... a he, Joe Burrow, I think I like him a lot. I feel like he tries a little hard, or like you know, with some of the stuff where the photo shoot. I think we all have seen that photo by this point, and and then the tweet where he's like, "You can't take me out that easy." I don't remember the exact wording, but like I like the guy. I'm I'm hope he comes back. It's sad to see him go, but like maybe just just relax a little, Joe Burrow.
0: Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's this new generation, right. Of these, like, uh, what is he, is he Gen Z? Is that what he would be considered?
1: I believe so. Yeah. Cause he wouldn't be a millennial. I think we're now yeah. past millennials.
0: Yeah. Well, I just remember he, he endeared himself to people when, you know, he graduated from LSU and then coronavirus hit. And instead of like going and getting an apartment, you know, in Cincinnati where he's getting drafted, he was just living in his childhood bedroom with his parents and with all of his star Wars stuff. And so he seems like a pretty, uh, Hip dude. And uh yeah, it sucks, man. I mean, these guys, number one overall pick. He's really kind of starting to come on. So uh, you know, bummer for Joe Burrow, but he'll he'll be back. And I think the Bengals have a a pretty bright future with him.
1: Yeah, and part of that bright future might be that they are probably in tank mode right now with Ryan Finley expected to be their starter. I guess we'll see if they have anybody else out there they want to give a try to. But Joe Mixon out three weeks. We talked about that the other day where he has been uh, completely alpha mailed by Gio Bernard's mustache. Can't even get up at night uh, without without thinking about that mustache chasing him around. And uh, now the Bengals, no Mixon, no Burrow. Like, what, what are they really playing for at this point?
0: Yeah, no, they they don't have much going on. And uh, when you said Ryan Finley, I mean, I know how much you love these backup quarterbacks. Is that a little preview of the waiver wire segment Mm-mm. later? I,
1: so Ryan Finley in his debut went three for 10 here and uh, previously has also sucked in every other spot. So uh, honestly, he might make the waiver wire stake draft just, <laughs> just because. But uh, no, he's not one of the guys I have a... Uh, a crush on I would say he's not he doesn't fit the criteria What if, it, if
0: his name was like Bill Tortellini would you be more into him
1: <laughs> does he also have a, a stereotypical Italian accent maybe a Mario suspenders that he wears
0: yeah <laughs> this guy's falling over himself to pick up Ben DiNucci but then Ryan Finley becomes available and he has no interest
1: but, uh, Ben DiNucci got a bad rap <laughs> so did Garrett Gilbert either way the backup QBs they're thriving in the sunlight and we'll see Ryan Finley plays uh, actually had the Bengals scheduled in Because I was curious to see if it's actually worth it. And it's not the worst schedule. Like, if you are absolutely hard up for a quarterback, I could see maybe giving it a shot. But they play the Giants next week, they play the Bengals, they play the Cowboys then. Um, when you're pretty close to the key points of the playoffs, and then they get the Steelers, and it's all going to go to crap. But uh, you know, maybe maybe there's some usage for him. I don't know. I guess we'll have to dig into that one a little more. Uh, another thing we have to dig into, Pete. We talked about it on Thursday with Pat Darty, who was really uh, a very fun show on Thursday. If you missed that one, this is why you shouldn't miss a splash play because you never know the the rapport will strike with somebody who comes on. And Pat, uh, Pete, I feel like Pat's comedic chops may be underrecognized in the in his terms of so much great fantasy analysis that he gives.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Pat is uh, hilarious. And that was a very fun show. And like you said, a lot of our episodes will focus on the upcoming week, but uh, we have a very evergreen segment about NFL facial hair. So Spags cut up a clip of that as well that you can find on Twitter, but yeah, very fun show. And uh, Pat Doherty is a great guest.
1: And one guy we talked about in that segment, Justin Herbert, who uh, Pat, I actually mentioned on the awesome stream I did today because it just made me laugh again thinking about it. That he said that Justin Herbert now looks like he did a Johnny Unitas photo shoot for Sports Illustrated, <laughs> like this to look like a throwback QB, and he threw it back. Uh, the hair, he is not Samson, Justin Herbert, a monster day for him. Once again, I think uh, technically might have been the top QB overall with raw points. I don't have that number in front of me right now, but. Uh, just really, I feel like Herbert now with Joe Burrow out it's kind of a downer that uh, the competition certainly going to be over between these two for rookie of the year. But Justin Herbert, the rookie of the year, and possibly like the rookie of the decade—is that like at what point is the hyperbole too much? I don't know, but I just love watching the guy play, and every week he gets there.
0: Yeah, no, I am with you. Like he looks to me like a better version of Josh Allen. Like he has the arm strength, you know, to push down the ball down the field, but doesn't make the like back breaking throws that Josh Allen will mix in there, or you know, the super galaxy brain turnovers. I mean, yeah, he looks really, really good. And it makes it all the more funny when you see him without his helmet on and you're like, this looks like a 14 year old boy. And he's one of like, how many people he's in the top, like 10 people on the planet who can play the quarterback position and he looks like that it is it's crazy
1: and it's also something, too, where, and this is anecdotal, I don't know if there's anywhere that tracks this stat, but I'd be curious to see it. Like, you know, we, we track, we talk about deep throws a lot in here. We talk about the splash play. It's what the whole show is named for. That's why we called it this, because it's a very important part of fantasy is capturing those big plays. But, you know, we talk about 20-plus yard throws being that metric for deep throws. I feel like Herbert's got to lead the league in 40-plus yard throws because he does them a lot, and he is spot on, and he, he'll throw them to anybody, like Teron Johnson will catch one. We talked about Jalen Guyton before, and Keenan Allen, we all know every week uh, one of the slate breakers this week but I feel like he's got to be up there along with uh, my 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 man PJ Walker who's probably only a one start and done guy
0: (laughs) yeah and I think the thing that works in his favor is like he can hit those shorter intermediary routes with Keenan Allen over and over I think defenses get lulled in and we're like hey Keenan Allen's picking us apart here and then you have these guys like Mike Williams and and Jalen Guyton and there was another guy today who who something Johnson who had a big catch as well. And so they're getting single coverage on the outside and Herbert can just hit them on a rope on those fly routes down the field. So yeah, they're a really exciting offense and man, Herbert, like if you had to start in uh, a franchise with a quarterback going forward, I mean, I don't know if I could name more than five other guys I'd want other than Herbert.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, Herbert is for a guy this young, certainly throwing himself into that that Mahomes tier, you know, he's not there yet. I think you got to see a little more winning, uh, a little more carrying the entire offense. You know, but you know, if with the amount of sample size we've seen so far, I think it's only going to get better for him. You know, barring hopefully he stays healthy. I can't if Justin Herbert goes down too. I think it's just going to be tears. I don't want to see. Uh, I don't need to see the Tyrod Taylor back out there. I think we can move forward. Uh, another guy we need to talk about Taysom Hill. We hinted at earlier. Honestly, pretty nice day for him. People were making fun on Twitter right away. People wanted him to get the hook, but finishes 18 for 23. 233 yards no passing touchdowns but does run 10 times for 51 yards and two touchdowns he also kind of kills Alvin Kamara's value in a meaningful way uh, which is something that I think we speculated on here I definitely speculate on it somewhere I don't know it might have just been in the back of my head but either way I like Taysom I, I feel like he didn't do anything to lose the job now but but Pete how do you feel about Taysom Hill and knowing that he's probably going to be a guy who's like 6k on DraftKings next week and hopefully he will lose his tight end eligibility because that really uh, was a curveball I don't think we needed this week
0: Yeah, I think the one big surprise for me was that they weren't actually designing runs for him. Like, I thought this was going to be a situation where they used him very similarly, almost more Tebow-esque. You know, when you remember Tim Tebow, it was like half running plays, read option, half passing plays. But they were basically like, just do what Drew Brees did. And it took him a little while that I think to get comfortable and then he started connecting with Michael Thomas down the field. I think you it's fair to have some concerns. like you said, he's going to get priced up. And he really only made one read, like he dialed in to Michael Thomas, which is what you see young quarterbacks do a lot where they just lock into their best guy. They're not going through their progression. So I hope that they can kind of continue to evolve, give him more designed runs, mix up the offense a little more, get those check downs to Alvin Kamara where he's dangerous. So I think it was interesting. It was a great first spot, right? Like if you were debuting a new gadget quarterback, you'd want to at home versus the atlanta falcons so i think that was a a good thing for him but uh a little mixed bag overall i think
1: yeah it's uh you know a spot where definitely a confidence builder for him and let's see the Saints schedule coming up because i think that's certainly an important factor they play the broncos next time out in the uh, next week rather so that's going to be another not great situation but then pete you know they get the week after that the falcons once again <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, because the reason I know that is because I was looking forward to Jameis Winston. I was like, oh, he gets two games against the Falcons with Denver sandwiched in between. But at this point, it does seem like they're fully committed to Taysom. And I don't think he did anything that would warrant them going with Jameis. So I I think he's their quarterback.
1: Do Do you think that ESPN changes him from tight end this week?
0: That's a really good question. I mean, people are still, I'm on a, I play in one ESPN league with guys I went to high school with and I woke up to a text thread where they were all livid about it. it was also like guys we've been all talking about this for like four days uh and they just like realized like why is Gannon able to start two quarterbacks this week I was like all right guys um I I don't know like do you know what the precedent is as far as like them changing positional value on the fly I I don't know. I like the DFS sites. I feel like play pretty
1: fast and loose with like basketball where you'll have Luka Doncic being like a point guard, small forward. And sometimes a guy will be a center and it doesn't really make sense, but there's really, I can't think football wise of there being a time. Maybe, you know, somebody who's been classified as a wide receiver, which like, I feel like there's been somebody historically, it's not even coming to mind that fast. So I don't know what the precedent would be, but I do feel like at least for the stint, like he probably shouldn't be a tight end until Drew Brees is back or, or if Jameis were to start somehow.
0: Yeah. No, I, yeah, I feel like, I feel like the, the sites end up leaving him there. Um, You know, I, I'm trying to remember back, like I know back in the day when Marcus Colston first came in the league as a rookie, another Saints guy there, they had him labeled as a tight end. And I think Mm -hmm. he had a pretty good rookie year and people had a little bit of a cheat code of playing Marcus Colston, the tight end. And I don't remember if they changed that on the fly or if they waited until the offseason to make that change. I would think for the
1: DFS sites for, for FanDuel, you probably won't see him be a tight end next week just because, yeah. you know, that's a little bit too wonky. I mean, the ownership, the ownership honestly probably should have been higher. i from at least the one tournament that I put in on FanDuel, I'm not playing a ton of FanDuel right now or these days, but a uh, 50% ownership on him, which, you know, I, we talked about it. Like you pretty much just had to play him in cash, especially, but for GPPs, like, Hey, yeah, you could have gone to Mark Andrews who was more expensive and still scored less.
0: Yeah, that was the hard thing about it. Like, trust me, my brain is always going to, what could I do to fade the chalk? How can I be contrarian? But it was so, again, the whole thing, I wish Travis Kelsey was on this slate because then I would have been like, all right, let's play Travis Kelsey. We'll get him at sub 10% ownership. He can outscore Taysom Hill even as a quarterback. But we didn't have that. And it was just so thin to think that a tight end could eclipse Taysom Hill and that Taysom Hill would bomb. That seemed like a, a sub, you know, two or 3% outcome, which again, yeah, we want to win GPPs, but we don't need to be stupid while doing it.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a fair way to look at it. And um, one more guy I want to talk about, and I guess we could sort of segue into the. Actually, I guess we could debate if this is a take the L situation or a victory lap, Pete, because we talked about this guy a little bit. Uh, PJ Walker uh, made his start. A guy we uh, Pete, a former XFL thought leader, me, somebody who did XFL content and really had to dig in from day one on that one to figure out where to get data, how to even analyze these guys. And it was I didn't play AAF, so I didn't have that experience before. And Pretty thrilling, pretty exhilarating. And P.J. Walker was one guy I got on early when he won the starting job. So for me, it's like, I, it's really, to me, Pete, I think a really great American story where he was great in the XFL. That league folds. It sucks. He, like a lot of people, loses, a, you know, an amazing situation due to the pandemic. And then he gets this chance to start. And like, you know, I would have liked him to have had a slate breaking day. We'll talk about the minutia of that. But Pete, on just a pure, you know, sports movie level, the P.J. Walker story, like about as close to Kurt Warner as we're going to get in these modern times, at
0: least recently. Yeah, no, it's it's an awesome story. And then on on top of it, you have all the narrative stuff of how he played with Robbie Anderson and Matt Rule at Temple. Um, so yeah, I think it's uh man, he continues to kind of prove himself. Like the thing I loved about him is sometimes you see these quarterbacks come in and they're nervous. And I mean, he's pushing the ball down the field. The DJ Moore, I mean, that should have been a touchdown too. DJ Moore got barely tripped up on his ankle on that on that deep throw. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I would love to see more PJ Walker. And I mean, at the very least, I think, I don't know what his contract situation is with the Panthers, but I know other teams would be chomping at the bit now to have him be their starting quarterback.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm curious to see how this works out because, a part of me too, and I tweeted it this morning where I was like, oh, "Old Triple H, Teddy Bridgewater needs to get out of the way, let some young talent get a chance." Because it to me, it just seemed like Teddy's afraid of losing his job, which I get. This is his first starting job after you know the colossal injury. He did start a couple games for the Saints, but they didn't want to invest in him as the QB of the future, or he didn't want to wait around for Breeze, whatever the case may be. And I just think they're a better team with PJ Walker. Like we saw, you know, Walker had 258 yards, had a little bit on the ground as well. Like. Uh, so that ended up coming down a little bit because of some uh, some botched rushing plays. I don't even know how he ended up with negative rushing yards. Either way, though, like he created offense for these guys where you saw Curtis Samuel have a pretty big day. You saw DJ Moore have a pretty big day. Uh, Robbie Anderson didn't quite get there as much to, besides the shower narrative that you would think might have helped him out. Uh, didn't help out as much. But I did feel like the offense is more explosive and maybe didn't get to show their full potential because the Lions just completely crapped the bed, putting up zero points on the road.
0: Yeah, that was so frustrating. I know you had some PJ Walker lineups. I I had one with our tilt space guys and it was like, I had no qualms about PJ Walker and the Panthers. They did their job. It was the Lions, just absolutely atrocious. I mean, Matt Patricia is like the least inspired play caller in the league, still giving all of these awful touches to Adrian Peterson. I do think, I'm not a doctor, but it seems like Matthew Stafford's thumb was still giving him issues, like not a lot of impressive throws there. Every time they were looking for TJ Hawkinson, it seems like something would go wrong. The ball would get batted away. The pressure would get there. So just a really bad game. For the Lions, all around. And I guess it kind of makes sense. Like their two best playmakers, DeAndre Swift and Kenny Galladay, are out. And the offense just was not functioning well without them.
1: And there was one Marvin Jones, 50 yard touchdown that got called back, dude, I think holding. So that's you know, maybe would have been a little different. Cause that was, I think the second quarter. And if they get that touchdown, I do think the game opens up a little bit more, but you know, I think it's a situation to watch here where, but we, uh, there's some potential here in this offense. I think I really think the Panthers offense, I was tweeting with some guy who I think is a Panthers fan this morning. And like, I think their offense is still, we talked about it in the preseason or our first episode rather uh, to lead into the season. Like, I think this offense is really a sleeping giant. I think we saw it. Maybe it's not PJ Walker. Maybe it's a Trevor Lawrence or some other big arm QB who they get um, and wherever they land up in the draft. But this offense has got so much potential just because of the way it works with Anderson and Moore and and Moore looking better by the week, two after kind of starting slow and Curtis Samuel, too. Like somebody here is going to have a monster, really a, a sports car ready to go when they actually get a QB in place.
0: Yeah, and. It's what's really been interesting too, is, you know, I was, I, we all had that talking point at the beginning of the season, like, holy cow, this offense is super condensed. It's all going through DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson and Mike Davis. And then Curtis Samuel has really carved out a big time role here in this offense. And I think, you know, the person who's been kind of on the short end of the stick now is Robbie Anderson, because he was getting that elite level kind of wide receiver one target share. And now it's kind of being divvied up. Amongst the three of them and his production is the one that has really taken a hit. But yeah, you can't discount what Curtis Samuel has been doing and uh, they manufacture touches for him in, in really interesting ways.
1: Yeah, all these guys over nine targets this week, Anderson, Samuel, and more, and Anderson didn't do a ton with his, but still got seven catches with 46 yards, so uh, we'll see how it goes. I I, I certainly wouldn't mind Teddy missing sometime down the stretch here, but uh, we'll see. It's, uh, can't argue with a 20 nothing win, even if it is not as high scoring as we would have liked. Uh, Pete, let's, let's talk about take the L's here, because that one, you know, wishy-washy here, but any L's you feel like you need to take in particular for this week?
0: Well, I mean, I was looking at our ride or die picks and I I didn't do that well this week. I think I only hit one, maybe two. So I have plenty of L's to take. I mean, one, I I thought Duke Johnson was going to be better here. Man, he he did not look great in this game, especially in a game where there's a ton of points scored and the Texans offense looked really good. You would think that Duke would be uh, a little bit more involved. That didn't work out. Uh, too well. Um, what else did I have? I know Denzel Mims outscores Keenan Allen. Um, <laughs> Keenan Allen just went nuclear. I will say Denzel Mims, when we checked the air yards, Denzel Mims had a shit ton of air yards, but not enough to beat Keenan Allen, who's like the second best wide receiver in the NFL at this point. I also had Michael Gallup in the Millie Maker winning lineup. He uh, didn't do much. So definitely uh, plenty of L's to go around this week. How about you? Yeah, I think for me, honestly,
1: I didn't do that well. We didn't grade the ride or die picks because I honestly didn't have the time here. And and sometimes Willis gets it. and Unfortunately, he didn't have the time either to get it in before the show. And um, yeah, I, I didn't do great either, Pete. I think I might've gotten one point. I also had, because I had to troll you, I picked Brashad Perriman to outscore Keenan Allen. Granted, Perriman had a slightly better day than Mims, but um. Yeah. That's that's not great. I think for me, just taking the owl. I, I did play Taysom Hill, but I just didn't approach it. I didn't approach it with enough enthusiasm. I feel like is, which is sort of the the a weird thing to say, but I just kind of played him begrudgingly. And I feel like if I leaned in on it a bit more and been like, yeah, you know what? He's grading out to me as a guy who is going to be the best value QB on the slate, twenty five percent of the time. Instead, I was like, well, uh, that, like twenty five percent feels like too much. Taysom Hill. How do I get down to fifteen? And I think that's one of those things where you overthink it, you know, a, a quarterback who runs, we know that's worth its weight in gold, but because there's these narratives around these guys, I think sometimes you get talked out of it. And even me with my, you know, 20%, I think I ended up with him. Like, I, I felt like I could have used him better. I could have used him in some of my higher, higher dollar lineups. And I think, um you know, I don't know if I got shamed into <laughs> into not playing him, but I feel like I did kind of let the noise get to me on that one.
0: Yeah, man, it, it is one of those things too. It goes back to the whole thing of like we all are consuming information. We're trying to, you know, get a feel for the slate. Sometimes you get anchored to that information in a bad way, and then you're not flexible on Sunday mornings. And then on the flip side, I've had weeks where my ideas in the early in the week were spot on, and then I get pushed off of them. So it's such a fine line. I mean, the thing I've really been doing is just making sure I'm looking at updated ownership on Sunday mornings and that really clears my head and because like as an example one game that I was really interested in this week was the Bengals and Washington and I noticed by the end of the week I was like holy cow all of these guys are going to be owned like all of there was no like good leverage spots in there and that funneled me more towards that Chargers game where I was like all these ancillary pieces no one's going to own them and so I wanted to attack that spot more so those are one of those things where early in the week I'm like load me up Uh, on Washington here. And so that's just a, a simple example of why it's important, I think, to be flexible late in the week.
1: Yeah, I think that makes some sense. And uh, yeah, certainly, you know, there's always ways you can clean up your process. And I think it's, you know, being aware of that stuff is important. So that's why we take the L's uh, here in in these weeks. And um, actually one other one too that I want to hit on, because I think it fits our debate that we've had recently about the Dalvin Cooks and the Devontae Adams of the world. And if you, you know, you just need to get a taste each week. And with Dalvin, I, I, we talked about on the show where I thought even if he was going to be 40% owned, I felt like that was light based upon the matchup and what we know of him and the workload he gets. He ends up being the millionaire maker winning lineup ends up just shy of 30 fantasy points so uh, he does not help out my ride or die picks but I think that's one thing too where I I don't really know what to do with Dalvin because to me I jammed in a ton of Dalvin and Devontae Adams and they both were pretty good but I feel like just them being so expensive like you know there's a guy being a top scorer and then there's a guy being a top scorer who's also a good value and I think there's sort of a fine line to walk in football that's not quite there in the other DFS sports and I don't know, just something I'm kind of noodling on, Pete. I don't know if that strikes any thoughts for you, but um, we've debated this so much. I feel like it's just worth kind of circling on because you could have played Cook and Adams and and done well, but you had to really get like Demir Bird. You had to get the value in there.
0: Yeah, I think the one thing, I I didn't play a lot of Adams this week um, because I was playing a lot of Cook, but the thing that I think was really nice about both of those guys is they were expensive, and I'm not saying that's nice, but they were expensive and they were in the late slate. So you could see how you did in the 1 p.m. Like I built all of my lineups with Dalvin Cook, like every one of them, but I looked at, and because I like to correlate, I also had Cowboys in any of my Dalvin Cook lineups to give me that late swap Optionality and I ended up using it on almost every lineup except my one best lineup with the Herbert set because I had so many guys going late. So I'm like, let's just see how we do. But a lot of my lineups that were buried, I pivoted off of him because I knew he would be so popular. So I think that's a nice example too of like, he's the best play for a reason. Like, he has the ceiling that no one has. If you're leading front run with him, if you're behind and half the field has him, you're going to have to get creative and hope he flops. So That was a unique situation where I feel like his start time really allowed you to play it and kind of have your cake and eat it too. But sometimes he plays at one o'clock and it's a lot harder decision.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, with wide receivers, we've talked about that being the, the most variant position, and I think there was just a, a flaw in my process with playing as much Adams where I had him at 25%, and I also had him being, you know, one of the top three guys 25% of the time, but I think I could have gone a little bit lower because we I did have, like, Phelan and Allen right behind him pretty much in my rankings. I think Robbie Anderson was also one guy who was up a little high there, so that wouldn't have worked out, but um, I think that's sort of the thing with wide receivers especially because we know that the, the volume, the end zone opportunity, the red zone opportunities, all those things for running backs like those are pretty much repeatable whereas wide receivers there are some ways you can get different and I think that's why you know you probably should rate your Dalvin Cooks your McCaffrey's a bit higher than your Devontae Adams is moving forward but uh, that's just my thought and something we'll keep talking about because you know you never stop thinking about these things we talked enough about the L's Pete any victory laps that you want to get on this week because you know we work in an industry that rewards self-congratulation and and you deserve this Pete I think if you have anything you want to be congratulated for
0: Yeah, no, I mean, we, I did the, um, I did on the contrary with Osimo uh, on Saturday. And I also did my build show on Friday and I just kept hammering the Herbert double stacks. Um, I didn't think the ownership was going to get too out of control on Keenan Allen. um, And I loved all the secondary pieces. None of the Jets bringbacks were going to be popular. Mike Williams, uh, Guyton, none of them were going to be owned. So I kind of this was one of the first weeks where I built two of my main lineups with the same stack, just variations of it. So I was all in on that and that worked out today with Herbert. So I guess I will take that as my victory lap.
1: Yeah. Herbert, a fine victory lap to take. And, um, man, I don't really know that I feel I just, yeah, I was, I caught up in PJ Walker enthusiasm and I think I'll take that as a victory lap for humanity. (laughs) I think just nice to see him out there. Nice to see him getting some positive results for his guys. The stack actually like had a shot, which is what kind of bummed me out because of two guys getting over 20 fantasy points. It's usually a pretty good marker there. Um, besides that, I feel like my main victory lap, uh, here's one that I, I feel pretty good about for the late slate was I didn't play Kalen Balage 50% or the afternoon slate rather. Um, as we all know, I do, I try to get all the slates in on Sunday when I can, besides like the turbo first one, that's just not something that's going to happen for me. But I, I, Balazs I saw was like 50% owned. And I was like, like, look, I played 25% Balage on the main slate. I wasn't going to do that again for the afternoon. So I'm going to take a victory lap here and just being like. At what point is too much Kalen Balazs too much? And I think 50%
0: ownership on Balage is bananas that he got that high. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of those weeks too, where we've had the weeks where like the chalk is all just studs, right? Like we've had the weeks where it's Devontae Adams, Dalvin Cook, whatever. But this was one of those weeks where it's like Kalen Balazs, Jacoby Myers, like mm. Taysom Hill. And sure, Taysom Hill worked out, but Kalen Balaj and Jacoby Myers didn't. So even though that's like a simplistic, uh, rubric for how to handle this. I do think it's good to pause and be like, wait, Kalen Balaj has literally been passed around like four different teams. Maybe he's not the best guy, uh, to be chalk. And again, I know he got banged up and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's also just a good reminder of like, if you're eating chalk, make sure they're a really good football player.
1: Yeah, like if you could have had the choice between uh, and obviously you're looking backwards here so it's easy to do that, but you know, a 20% owned Keenan Allen or a 20% owned Jacoby Myers like yeah, there's a price difference but but one there's a really high risk of failure and, and I say this to somebody who, you know, has picked Jacoby Myers as a showdown captain on here. I like the improvement he's shown. He's just not, you know, he's not a guy who's going to be fed the ball, especially when they are you know, spreading a lot of coverage over to him where he's running out of the slot a lot. They're shading two guys over his way. So Demir bird is pretty much open each time. That's how football works. So um, sometimes you got to be aware of that stuff. And there's a reason why, you know, Keenan Allen's a Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. There's a reason why a Herbert's a Herbert and a PJ Walker's a PJ Walker. Like it sucks. Cause you want to believe the best of these guys, but, I think that's that's a half take the L half victory lap. We've shamed ourselves enough, so now hit that like button, guys, because it's time for stat shaming, where we ask that these players get unsustainable numbers, or do we consider them beautiful at a healthy weight of touches? And the first guy up is a guy I just mentioned here, Demir Bird, six catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown on seven targets, plus one run for 11 yards. And Pete, I'm going to tell you right now, I like Demir Bird. I think he looks good most weeks in terms of just you know he's a uh, I would say a f- <laughs> five out of 10 type guy. Like you see him walking on the street, you're not turning your head, but you're also not looking away. And I think this week at Demir Bird, just putting the padding in there, putting the cutlets up here, putting a Brazilian booty lift in there, maybe just putting actual pillows in his butt cheeks, just to make it, make it pop on the street. And I don't see Demir Bird doing this again, maybe in his entire career. Like, I think he's going to run routes and be out there. That's the dude he is. He's uh, like, I think who is it that says the, the jogging just (laughs) running, just running laps out there. I forget one of our guys. Oh yeah. It was
0: uh, Lord Reeves. Yes, I thought it was Reeves. Chris Hogan,
1: yeah. Getting his sprints in, getting his wind sprints. That's basically what Demir Bird normally is. I don't see this happening, Pete, but do you agree with me? Do you want to stat shame Demir Bird?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, To me, this is like, um, he was in the air yards by low model, which to me is like the equivalent of beer goggles. It was like, yeah, he's in it. And yeah, I've had a few drinks and I squint and I see it. And you know what? It works out. You did it while you were drunk and it felt good at the time. In the morning, you regret it. Uh, and you're like, I should probably never try to do that again. But it felt good at the time and Demir Bird got there. But most times you're gonna sober up and you're gonna, you are gonna gravitate to Jacoby Myers and you're not gonna bother with Demir Bird.
1: Yeah, Demir Bird, uh, great day for him though. But uh, yeah, maybe some, maybe the best we'll ever see of Demir Bird. We'll find out. Uh, here's another guy who could be stat shame. Maybe not. Kirk Cousins, 314 yards and three TDs on 20 TDs on 22 or 30 passing. Uh, one of the things that we talked about on here, a lot of other shows, industry wide, did too. The idea, if you don't want to play Dalvin Cook, play the passing attack for the Vikings. And while Justin Jefferson didn't quite get there, had one nice touchdown play, but besides that, didn't do a bunch. Kirk Cousins, I'm gonna say here's the thing is like, you see Kirk Cousins looking good. You see him uh, on Instagram posting these photos and you're like, you know what? Like you're capable of doing this all the time. And instead you choose to just be posting your color coordinated bookshelf half the time. You don't want to put it out there like you are capable of. And also the Vikings lost. So I don't know what to make of it, but I do think, you know, maybe Kirk Cousins being too sexy, not good for morale. And I don't think he's going to be the sexy every week, Pete. So I'm going to shame Kirk Cousins, but I do think if he really dedicated himself, if he got a Peloton, like I got I think we could be Peloton bros and he could be looking this good every week
0: yeah it's it's hard to know what to do with Kirk Cousins here because I feel like Kirk Cousins more has to do with whatever the game script they find themselves in whereas if they are winning by more than a touchdown say 10 points or more Mike Zimmer is going to be like Kirk Cousins you need to stay home you cannot go out and party but if they get down or it's even close remotely close like it was in this game I mean it's like Kirk Cousins it's time to get dressed to the nines it's time to do nips it's time to get the uber here because you guys are going out to the club and you're going to start checking it around the yard so it just depends on what night it is. And so I don't want to shame Kirk Cousins. I'm not going to do it.
1: What does do nips entail to you? Like, is he just like just tweaking him to get him going? Or? Oh, no, no. I meant nips, the uh, like shots.
0: <laughs> do you not call them those? No, they they I, they
1: are called. I thought that was what you were thinking first, but I was like, he must be talking about like fluffing his nips up because that's like a. Yes, <laughs> that
0: too. Yeah, sorry. I meant, you know, little shots while they're waiting on the curb for the Uber <laughs> driver to show up.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think you could get nips with your nips if you really know how to present them the right way, but whatever Kirk Cousins is doing with his nips, I think it worked today. Besides losing, worked in fantasy, didn't work in real life. Another guy we could possibly stat shame here, Mark Andrews. Five catches for 96 yards and one touchdown on seven targets. Pete, I'll let you go first here. Do you want to stat shame Mark
0: Andrews? So I am not going to stat shame Mark Andrews, and Mark Andrews is someone who has massively frustrated me all year, but I think a huge thing has happened and that's Nick Boyle has gone to IR and Nick Boyle was getting lots of snaps, lots of routes. And then he goes on IR all of a sudden last week, Mark Andrews gets nine targets this week, five catches for 96 yards and a TD on seven targets. So to me, this offense kind of condensing where he's now the main tight end is really big because everyone I think agrees. Mark Andrews is a talented dude, but if he's in a three-way committee, you know, with like he was last year with Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle, like that's tough, but you clear him out. I think Mark Andrews has a runway to be a top three tight end rest of the season.
1: Yeah, one thing that jumps out to me just looking at the stats PFF got the snap counts up very early this week so uh, I guess all the all of the imploring them uh, to do more snap related things has gotten our pal Eric Eager on board with, uh, with this but 56 snaps this week Pete and actually 53 last week too uh, he had which uh, did come with Nick Boyle playing some of that game I, I don't think he got to the finish line of that game but Boyle also had over 20 snaps but 56 snaps for Mark Andrews like he's it's Lamar Lamar is clearly not the same Lamar whether it's injury whether it's just people figuring out his, his and the Ravens game plan a little better, but I agree. Like if Andrews is going to have 50 snaps out there, like we know he's capable of it. He just kept getting screwed in terms of just having Boyle take his opportunity away. And I don't, I didn't watch the whole game Pete, but is there even another tight end who could threaten him for time? Cause without Hearst, like, I don't think they have anybody who pops to mind for me.
0: No, I mean, the one funny thing is I saw people making jokes like they promoted Des Bryant and they were saying, Mm -hmm. you know, give Des Bryant tight end eligibility and I, I, I think it's not even that much of a joke I think they are starting to use him in the similar role that they were using Nick Boyle as well and I don't I mean. Uh, Des Bryant's not going to be an inline blocker, but I do think that's how they're vacating those targets, but I, I think overall it's it's great news for, uh, for Mark Andrews.
1: I guess they also have former Seahawk and Raider Luke Wilson in their stable of tight ends, but uh, I didn't see him do anything noteworthy today, and he hasn't done much noteworthy in his career, so yeah, I feel good about Mark Andrews, surprisingly so. Uh, so the, yeah, I think we're on the same page with that. Um, again, here's the time of the week. If you are one of the people who's desperately clinging to life in your season-long league, we're going to do our waiver wire snake draft for rounds here we pick the guys available on waivers for any show out there gets the chance to these are all the guys under 40 percent on espn so that's how our one metric here and uh man i don't have a great first pick so pete you you know what you can thrive here and uh, no pun intended with our sponsor and take the first pick
0: wow um yeah, that's so kind of you when you don't have anyone obvious to take to... Uh, if only thread. we were...
1: who's was uh, Vito Mussolini? What was the fake Italian name?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't even... I think I said Bob Tortellini. <laughs> <laughs> we should just do a offensive. segment of fake Ben DiNucci name. names. Why didn't we do this weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, we really... Uh, I don't know how that's going to do with SEO here with big Ben DiNucci theme week. Yes. <laughs> He's no longer quarterback, and it's Thanksgiving, but we're doing Ben Tanucci <laughs> theme week. Um, all right, uh, I don't, I don't love this, um, and he's very near our threshold, but he is under forty percent. And Rex Burkhead left with what looks like a pretty bad knee injury. And again, we talk about this a lot in fantasy. We can survive two man committees, but the three man committees are a disaster. Well, James White. Without Rex Burkhead, things really open up because Damian Harris is not going to catch passes at all in this offense. So he comes in, he has five carries and six receptions this week, six receptions for 64 yards. That's a really nice workload for a PPR back. So I think It does look like Rex Burkett is going to miss time. And uh, if we can get James White sliding back into that pure pass-catching role, I think he's definitely worthy of a top claim.
1: Yeah, Damian Harris, not somebody they use at all in the pass game. And James White, we know that he's basically just kind of lost his role in a surprising way. Uh, So that's definitely somebody who makes sense. Um, For me and my first pick, boy, this is is not a great week on the old waiver wires. Um, I will say... Dobbins is over the threshold. You know, I'll take a guy who's going off right now in Sunday Night Football. We didn't talk about it, because honestly, the game is so close, and I don't have a great read on how it's actually going uh, with us starting to record at halftime. But Nelson Aguilar, uh, at under 11% ownership, his touchdown equity has been so big. And actually, I played him in the showdown, and he just had crappy projections, and I I kind of was questioning them. I wasn't getting enough of him and was like, ah, this sucks, because he seems to score all the touchdowns. And he has weeks where he puts up a zero. I think he did actually last week a flat zero. But he's a guy who can have some up side and with wide receiver, you know, being what it is this year. And uh, I just think he's got enough opportunity here with a Raiders team who clearly is going to give up points defensively in most games. He had 18% of the touchdowns coming into this year of the total touchdowns. Like it's a pretty big number for a guy like Nelson Aguilar. And um, I think people just kind of holding the pass against him.
0: Yeah, no, I was going to take Aguilar with one of my picks. If you didn't, I think, uh, yeah, I I think that hits it on the nail or nail on the head because we have this stigma of Nelson Aguilar, but he is, he is arguably their number one receiver and probably the second option behind Darren Waller now in the past game. So uh, yeah, I, I like that pick. I, I actually picked him up on a few season long leagues and I even started him tonight in one league and it felt really gross. And it's like, no, I mean, he's, he's one of their top options. I will do uh, a guy. Oh, no, I get the
1: turn here. I get the turn. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> actually i should have let you say your guy and then just taken it because i actually don't know who to take on the
0: turn <laughs> i mean i'm not i don't feel great about mine but
1: uh um I'm gonna also take... Damn it. Uh, And James White actually does look pretty tasty. You know, I'm going to take this guy who's actually been helping me out in my best ball league right now. Carlos Hyde. Uh, We just Chris Carson, I'm sure is going to come back soon. But if he doesn't, Carlos Hyde clearly plays the exact same role. And they do do seem to favor him over DJ Dallas. We learned that this week. Um, So to me, Carlos Hyde, I think in terms of just the guy who is capable of getting you numbers on a given week, uh, I would want him on my roster just, you know, in the chance that Carson keeps missing time. Only 33% rostered on ESPN.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that's a I think that's a good pick. I, I like just betting against these guys coming back from injury. We see it over and over. The the timetables get extended. So uh, Carlos Hyde seemed like the workhorse back on Thursday. I like that. Um, all right. I now you get
1: on. two, so you can take who you want. I assume it wasn't Carlos Hyde.
0: It wasn't. Um, but I think that was a good pick. You know what I'm going to do here? I'm going to double tap because I now have the turn. I'm going to double tap Jets wide receivers. Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims today continue to both get a ton of work, a ton of air yards. Denzel Mims had eight targets today. Brashad Perriman had four targets, and he turned one of those into a nice touchdown. And the one thing, whether it's Joe Flacco or Sam Darnold, they will push the ball down the field. And I think also teams are um, focusing a little bit on Jamison Crowder, who I think conventional wisdom is the, the number one receiver there. So I think Denzel Mims and and Perriman are both kind of those size speed specimens who can kind of create their own opportunities down the, down the field and Mims, especially uh, just continues to get the kind of usage that you really like. And I think in, in better matchups, he, he is going to have some explosion weeks coming up. So I'll take those two jets receivers and similar to my DFS decision. I was like, I think they're both similar. I ended up playing Mims this week because he was cheaper, but uh, I think both of them are really nice plays.
1: No, I think that's that's pretty fair. And I I wonder if they keep the same target share when Darnold's back as Darnold has seemed to favor Jameson Crowder a bit more, which I thought was an Adam Gase thing. And apparently it's not. Apparently it's just that, you know, they, Flacco's a little more willing to throw it down the field for whatever reason. Um, oh man, all right. So this is an interesting one. Uh, I also just had a guy and now forgot. (laughs) So that's a classic double whammy here. Actually, you know what? Here's what I'm going to take. Here's a guy that we've, Pete and I have both taken this guy in waiver wire snake drafts before. So amongst us, he's taken, but he's still only 24% rostered. I think that's going to be over the threshold uh, next week. So it's going to be our last time taking him. But Michael Pittman shouldn't be 24% rostered. Like he's clearly the number one guy. Uh, T.Y. Hilton had a little bit of more action today. Zach Pascal, kind of the same role, but Pittman's really the dude who's getting the looks over and over again. Maybe that changes if Rivers missed some time. He came out a little banged up today, so maybe Jacoby Brissett comes in, and that maybe that swings things back to Hilton, but Pittman's clearly a talented dude, and we've talked about him enough, but uh, he just shouldn't be 24%. That's one of the kind of, uh, I feel like, visibility gaps that people have in some of the season-long leagues.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good pick. I mean, I, I was picking him up in multiple of my leagues last week, and he wasn't popular on the waiver wire last week so I I think that sentiment definitely carries over um he's going to be a little more expensive this week now that he's strung together two really good games but man I, I love just targeting these rookie wide receivers who are set for fast finishes and I think Michael Pittman is definitely one of them
1: um, um, and I got yeah. the last one. I got my I got my last one from the turn. <laughs> I'm going to take a man who benefited today from an injury. Didn't have a big day, but I do think this offense can allow some big days. Kiki QT, back in our lives again. Uh, one of the best names in football and a guy who's been pretty good running out of the slot before. Randall Cobb had a foot injury, left that game early. Actually might have been on his way to having a decent day alongside Deshaun Watson after really none of the receivers got there uh, with Watson. And uh, QT, just a dude who could step in, get a lot of targets. Watson's favored him in the past, so I really have no issue going there. He's not going to be owned. He's going to probably be cheap because people just won't be on on the potential of Cobb missing injuries or missing time because of injury. And we know how Randall Cobb goes. He could easily miss the rest of the year with just one injury.
0: Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, that's a nice pick. Deshaun Watson has been playing uh, so well and mm-hmm. we know he can support uh, three wide receivers. Um, yeah, I like that. This one, I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit. I'm now into the point where the the players I'm stashing on my benches and leagues where I'm doing solid, you know, there's this difference between getting immediate production and also trying to win your playoffs. And we're going to talk about that a little more in a second, but I think cam Akers is interesting to me as a bench stash. And I know he hasn't played yet. We're recording this on Sunday night. He plays tomorrow, Monday night football, but he led the Rams in carries last week. And that's coming out of the buy. And we've kind of seen the rookie bump, before where they come out and they give these rookies a little bit more work after the buy. And again, there's risk here. Uh, Malcolm Brown and Darrell Henderson are still very much involved, but I think there's a chance for both um, his playing time growing and his um, still having contingent value in the case of an injury. So I'm trying to look for these high upside plays. And I also mentioned this one because On my ESPN league on Sunday for our waiver run, I had a choice between adding Michael Pittman and Cam Akers, and I need running backs more than I need wide receivers. I ended up putting Pittman as the higher priority, but I'm just saying this as in I had some skin in the game in this one, and I was considering adding Cam Akers because he feels like a guy who could maybe be a league winner if things break right. It's also worth pointing out that
1: Malcolm Brown led the team in snaps amongst the running backs last week which is odd. I, I didn't know that, but he had a uh, 31 snaps, which actually does include his kick return and punt coverage. So he had 29 um, Dar- Darrell Henderson had 23 cam makers had 18. So at least it's closer to an even split though. The Brown being the lead dog. I did not expect that to be the result here from just looking at the snap counts.
0: Yeah. I think they just love him as the pass catching back. And I think in that up-tempo game versus the Cardinals um, that they and or sorry against the Seahawks that they wanted to um, have him more on the field there so they could go up tempo but cam Akers to me is the best blend of the guy who can catch passes and run so hopefully uh they go to him more but again like i said we saw them do a red shirt year for darrell henderson last year so they have no problem you know just sitting these rookies but back-to-back weeks with nine and ten carries um i think there's a chance his role continues to grow
1: all right. And now is that time that Pete just mentioned where we're going to try to tell you the guys who we think are going to be the 2020 league winners in your season long league. So make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review. Leave a comment here in our wedding guest book, the story, the tale of our lives here. Tell us all the things that you've enjoyed about our podcast nuptials. That's the bit we're doing on there. And God damn it, it's one of the best bits that Pete came up with with very little preparation. So make sure you support him. Give us five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts. But the 2020 league winners, Pete, I know you had some inklings here to lead us off here but basically we just want to say the guys that we think are going to be the ones who win the league here now that we are in the stretch run we're in week 11 week 12 coming up playoffs not too far behind and there are clearly some guys who are set up to succeed and uh pete i'll let you lead the way here uh, who do you think could be a league winner for some of the folks out there trying to get some season-long advantage here down the stretch
0: Yeah. uh, Last week, we had kind of looked at the guys who could make that push, who are available to you on waiver wire. So I thought this week we could look at some of these guys that are studs. And I know a lot of season long trade deadlines have passed, but I know some of you might have them coming up. I know in one of my dynasty leagues, our trade deadline is coming up here on Thursday before Thanksgiving. So maybe you can get in a trade here. And I'll start off with running back because in a few leagues where I have good teams, but I'm weak at running back, which is just kind of my, Mo, Because I uh, don't prioritize them. I've been looking at this week 14 through 16 schedule and spags the number one schedule they get Jacksonville Detroit and Green Bay. It's big dog Derek Henry. I mm. mean D Hember is aligning perfectly here.
1: Yeah, Henry has not really had the consistent upside each week, even though he continues to get 100 yards. really not his fault. The touchdown equity, not quite there as much for him with Jono Smith, AJ Brown, get a little more in the mix, Adam Humphreys when he's been healthy as well. Uh, But I think that's a savvy play here, just the guys we talked about it last week, the guys who've been maybe a little bit under where they should be, just guys who are, as Pete often talks about, the air, air yards by low model, just these guys who are getting the opportunity week in and week out, but haven't broken out. They're definitely ones who can carry. And I think similarly, I would be curious You know, I think this guy is certainly not a a hidden commodity at this point. But DeAndre Swift out this week with the concussion. I do think he's a dude who people probably got really late in drafts. And I think he's one of those guys who's a difference maker that uh, was just a little bit undervalued coming in. He's basically been a running back one in every metric you look at this year. And he missed this week. And I think to me, Pete, uh, you've been on him. You're the biggest Swifty I know. But I think he's just a dude who just cuts out really well to have more upside. Maybe Matt Stafford doesn't play down the stretch for some reason. We see more Swift work. I just think there's a lot of ways he can be that guy who has the 200-yard games down the stretch in Week 14, Week 15, Week 16.
0: Yeah, and their schedule's nice, too. Week 14, they're home versus Green Bay. Then they get Tennessee. They have a tougher matchup in Week 16 at home versus Tampa Bay, but with DeAndre Swift's role where he's catching passes and getting the rushing work, I think he's pretty matchup-proof. So I like that one. And I'll do one more uh, and not necessarily schedule-based, but we saw J.K. Dobbins really pass Uh, Mark Ingram, and Gus Edwards today in snaps and touches and carries. And again, this kind of changing of the guard where the coaches are like, all right, we're done messing around. We're going to give the touches to the most talented guy, in which case it's this rookie running back. So J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Derrick Henry, I think those are three really nice breakout candidates at running back. Let's move over to wide receiver here, Um, it's interesting. Two of the best schedules right now have very murky quarterback situations. The one of them is Cincinnati. We now have Ryan Finley coming in here, but T Higgins, I think could still have a lot of success down the stretch. He's been so consistent with his targets. And then the other one at the top here, Philadelphia, we were talking about how bad Carson Wentz is, but I do feel like Carson Wentz is a bit of a front runner where he flops in bad matchups and bad spots, but he can still have good games. there. home versus new Orleans at Arizona at Dallas in the fantasy playoffs. And Jalen Rager here, you know, he once again led the wide receivers in targets and receptions. He really seems to have passed Travis Fulgham who didn't have a good game today. So Jalen Rager uh, and T Higgins, these rookies I think could still have fast finishes despite the quarterback uncertainty.
1: I think really that whole NFC East, and I think it's actually kind of a weird year where, you know, normally some teams fall after fall off down the stretch because they just don't need the wins quite as much as others. But if you look really across all these divisions, like the East we all know is bad, the Eagles leading the way right now, three, six and one, all these teams are gonna be in the hunt probably through the end of the year. Even the Cowboys today picking up that win, they're now at three and seven, so they're probably pushing their chips in and trying to get to that playoff spot that they thought they would have coming in. So I also think those receivers, you know, if you've had some down weeks with these this poo poo platter. Of quarterbacks that have been coming including uh, the aforementioned Gino Tortellini, I think that there are some better days to come here with the Cowboys needing to do more but really that's what I would look at if you're if you're a oh, team out there that just needs some guys who are going to get that upside in week 14, week 15, week 16 is so looking at these teams who still need the wins because, you know, maybe the the Saints aren't going to be as viable down the stretch. Like Alvin Kamara, I think Alvin Kamara could end up being a league loser, to be honest, because I think he's in a really bad spot. This week he had zero catches, which is something that happens with a mobile quarterback. You just don't need that running back to take the short routes away. And he's been so good all year long where I think people maybe Maybe even you traded people away because you're like, I have Kamara. That's the baseline. Like, I think that's one spot that's going to be really bad. I know we're talking wide receivers here, but like, that's just jumping out to me. Like, I would be really worried if I had Alvin Kamara right now.
0: Yeah, no, I would be. uh, I would be too. And especially this week in DFS, he was so expensive and there's way too much risk relative to the changes in the offense. I'll mention two more kind of wide receivers here with good schedules. So both San Francisco and Tampa Bay, um, Tampa Bay has the similar schedule as Philadelphia, uh, where they get um, Atlanta and then Detroit there. And then San Francisco gets Dallas and Arizona. And those are all forgiving uh, defenses there. So again, I, you know, I always love to talk about these rookie wide receivers, Brandon, Ayuk on the 49ers I think is set for a fast finish there and then Tampa Bay I hate to admit it but based on his usage and we'll see how he looks on Monday night I I do think Antonio Brown could uh, Mm. could be the league winner that I feared he might be and I didn't want him to be
1: yeah, he's been targeted very heavily. Certainly, you know, could also help out Mike Evans. Like Mike Evans, you know, granted it comes along with him whining on the sidelines and looking pretty unhappy with Tom Brady. But Antonio Brown may be opening things up a little more for him where he's getting the room to operate and Brady feels a little more comfortable forcing the ball to him. But definitely some ways that the wide receiver situation can be improved there. And uh, I guess one other thing to think about is... What would you do at tight end, Pete, if you're if you're just trying to figure this out, if maybe you cobble something together, you don't have Travis Kelsey, who really has been the one guy who's been useful this year with George Kittle hurt. um, What would you do here? Is there a solution for these people who are maybe just trying to find that league winner at tight end and hoping that Taysom Hill will stay, but knowing that he probably will not?
0: Yeah, it's tough. I do think now that we are getting into the money weeks, that I think you can almost just stream the position where you're looking each week because it's so flat. It's like just target these guys who have good matchups. And sometimes you'll stumble on a guy that has sticking power. Like I think Dalton Schultz is a good example of a guy who emerged early on. You might just throw a dart at him. He wasn't Blake Jarwin, just the guy stepping in. And then he's catching five to six balls. A week, And I think, you know, guys like Logan Thomas, we've seen do that as well. So I think there's merit to that just grabbing a guy who has a good matchup, and then hoping through positive momentum and inertia that he'll, he'll keep that role. Sometimes it doesn't work out. We saw Harrison Bryant, for example, step in, have a great game for the Browns. And then, you know, Austin Hooper comes back and he's relegated again. Um, Some guys that have interesting schedules, Green Bay has the best schedule for tight ends. They get Detroit, Carolina, and Tennessee. And we just saw Robert Tanyan today at five catches, 44 yards and a touchdown. So I think that's nice. Um, Tampa Bay is up there as well. Maybe Cameron Braid is floating around on your waiver wire. And who knows Gronk has never been the picture of health. So if something happened to him, break could step into a nice role. And then the third team that has a really nice schedule would be the Steelers and uh, Eric Ebron is always kind of in the mix there uh, along with the receivers. So any other tight ends that uh, are intriguing to you here?
1: I think what you said about streaming tight ends just interests me for the most part, because I think that's always a viable move. And that's something too, when I like I, in my season long league, I've been doing mostly the Colts defense because they've actually been decent most weeks. And I just haven't felt the need to swap around too much. But normally if I have a defense that isn't that good, I'll stream a lot. And at tight end, I feel like tight ends basically been, you know, defense seer other than uh, the Travis Kelsey's of the world. And like Robert Tanyan, you know, if you took him this week, week just going hey this is a high scoring game tanyan does have some touchdown equity if you took jack doyle this week you probably would have been like at least he got me something i know that because he's in my best ball league hayden hurst gave me a zero also pete i know we're not allowed to talk best ball but um i had a zero point week for my qbs because of bridgewater being hurt and josh allen being on a bye still finishing second right now in the week and i'm cruising towards a best ball playoff spot on DraftKings
0: wow and th- these were this was your only best ball yeah
1: team, right? i got th- i got the free ticket and was like i'll do it and i just put in my my best bets and uh james robinson and the Panthers stack i feel like are what are carrying me along with Devontae adams and actually joe mixon too i have him but Gio bernard just keeps getting me every week or two
0: wow there yeah. you go look at you just one one team spag that's all he needs that'll be the um, way i
1: win my million dollars a single bullet best ball on it <laughs>
0: That's right, man. People were so mad with that DraftKings free for all when they were giving out all the tickets. <laughs> did you, we need
1: to talk a little bit. I, I know this is sort of outside the purview of, uh, of our listeners, and we'll get to the uh, ride or die picks for Monday night in a second. But uh, the, did you see the beef between Blender and Siege on yeah. Twitter today? And I was just like, I oh my! I, these are the things with DFS. I, you know, we don't talk about it so much on our on the shows I do for Osmo, and I, I know Pete, you talk about it a little more on some of those shows, but that you do across the board. But um, that was just one where I was just like, oh my God, just why? And I have done a show Siege. I like him, but like, why put an LOL and ever after everything too? Like it's, you're so clearly upset. Just, just like, why, why get this upset? It's just fun in games. We're all having fun.
0: I know it is. It's funny too, to use like, uh, a sport where there's so much variance and like, you know, showing your edge over a long period of time and nothing standardized because people, you know, part of their argument was Siege is like, I play qualifiers you know i'm trying to get into these big tournaments and blender is like i play all these slates blah 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 that are different it's just like okay guys like you know what yeah whatever uh but i will say dfs twitter is undefeated with these beefs man like it's just every single week and a half there's just some new beef of of people going at it trying to say i am the best I, I just
1: don't want to ever hurts. be, I know Pete you're on the cusp of them sometimes and you've been called TikTok star derisively in the past, but I feel like they always just remind me of like a sissy slap fight kind of thing. And not, you know, not to be mean to anybody in particular. And you know, and I, my, my employer at Osmo has previously been involved in some too, but it just like, it just makes me, it makes me dial a little inside. Like I, I, I get it. It's also part of the sport too, where these guys, you know, do get a boost in following a little boost in engagement, but man, just like, why do we always have to be dick measuring over everything? Like it's, we're all making the same fucking picks on a given week. Just some of us doing a little more entertainingly,
0: a little more smart than others. That is actually a really good point too, because there's normally two sides to a beef where one person is just like, this is actually just good for my engagement and my following. And the other person is actually really mad. And I feel like that's normally the dynamic there. Uh, So if you uh, can enjoy the meta aspect of beefs, you can normally figure out where the motivations are.
1: And if you just follow at Peter Overzet and at Chris Spags on Twitter, you'll probably get these in your algorithm, especially from following Peter Overzet, because I feel like they know if you follow Pete, you just enjoy these guys being... being mad online for no particular reason
0: why you think i'm a magnet for this kind well, of behavior? well i think it's because
1: like you're like you're a certifiable like i think algorithmically like all the people who engage with those fights probably also <laughs> follow you so i think that's sort of the you'd be the venn diagram but you probably have a lot of crossover
0: yeah you're probably right
1: <laughs> despite the fact that you know you're like the nicest guy in dfs i feel like you're like you're the comedy king we all know that
0: Uh, I don't know about that, man. I'm just, I'm just waiting for my beef. You know, I'm waiting. It's going to be our our
1: podcast breakup, our podcast divorce.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's why I I go to my boxing gym. I'm just waiting for someone to call me out so I can just snap, accept a boxing match.
1: Is that why you're wearing your hood like that right now? In case (laughs) you have to throw up mom's spaghetti and get, (laughs) get I do have a
0: very Eminem vibe right now. All
1: right. It's that's, it's that time. Pete's going to do a freestyle and we'll do our ride or die picks for Monday night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's all I had. Uh, Monday Night Ride or die Plays, of course, presented by Thrive Fantasy. Play over at thrivefantasy.com. Download Thrive Fantasy in the App Store or the Google Play Store. They're giving away millions of dollars to all of their fan, or all of their players out there. And one of the edges you have is a player out there is playing on sites that offer you a deposit bonus. That's what Thrive Fantasy is doing, courtesy of our partnership with them, giving you guys the promo code SPLASH where you get up to $50 matched right away. You can play it in a tournament. If you win it, it's yours. Uh, that's the way that that goes over there. So play over at Thrive Fantasy, getting them in the prop, bets. If Peter Overzek can do it, you can too. That's the, f- the motto over at com. And the game tomorrow, Monday Night Football, or whenever you listen to this, it's, it's coming up. Uh, where's my sheet? Got the Rams getting 22 implied points in a game with a 48.5 point over-under. That's been steamed up a point since it opened. The, uh, on the other side, the Bucks, the home team, getting 26.5 points. Uh, Pete, you know, for the ride-or-die picks, we do usually do our showdown captain play. So maybe if you want to parlay that with our Thrive pick, you can do that. But follow your heart, my friend.
0: Yeah, no, for showdown pick, I will do, uh, again, at—, at- I'm looking at the DraftKings salaries. Antonio Brown is only 7.8K. I, I do think he's going to end up getting the most targets of these Bucks wide receivers generally going forward. Uh, so I will say Antonio Brown showdown winning captain.
1: Okay, Uh, I actually I like that pick a lot, Um, man. Am I going to go head to head with you here? The the issue is that who is Jalen Ramsey going to cover in this one? Because he he could definitely cover Antonio could definitely cover Mike Evans. But I think I'm just going to run. I think I'm just going to run against you here. I'll take Mike Evans showdown winning quarterback or quarterback captain. (laughs) He's actually he's like Taysom Hill. He's being qualified as a quarterback this week. There you go. I and then for it. the Thrive picks, uh, I'm using the uh, one of the contest plays here, Pete, if you want to pull that up for yourself um, from the contest lobby on Thrive. And again, yeah. on Thrive, there are two ways to play. The props lobby has you playing against the house. The contest lobby is where you're playing on a GPP-style format with your over-under picks. And um, I'm going to say... That, uh, this is one of those games where Ronald Jones gets phased out early and often, and I'll take under 53 and a half rushing yards for him. I'm, I'm not doing this to spite you just for the record. Like I did the other pick.
0: Uh, what, well, uh, you know, I'm not, it's, it's more my buddy, Pat. That's the big Rojo guy. I don't, <laughs> sure. I don't get offended if people want a short, uh, Rojo. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't begrudge you for I that. I feel
1: like you're, you're complicit in that whole thing.
0: I am. I am guilty by association for sure. <laughs> Um, maybe I just correlate maybe I correlate here with my Antonio Brown Um, he is set here at 55 and a half receiving yards. so obviously if he ends up being the uh, the showdown winning captain he is going to uh, to clear over that I'm looking at his projection on the blitz and he's like right there at 55 so I think it's a fair line but uh, I will continue to ride Tom Brady's love for Antonio Brown and go over there.
1: Alright, so there you go. Those are our picks over at ThriveFantasy.com. Play with them. Support the show. Support yourself by getting some extra money and go play over at ThriveFantasy.com or download ThriveFantasy Fantasy in the app store of your choosing. Use the promo code SPLASH over there. Pete, any plugs you want to hit on besides our big Tuesday show, our Thanksgiving slate preview coming up Tuesday around 3 p.m. Eastern time. Watch the Splash Play pod Twitter. We will have the live stream going up on there or subscribe on YouTube because it'll be funneling through there as well. Pete, anything else you want to plug besides that monumentous thing that we have going on?
0: Yeah, it's going to be the event of the century slash week, and uh, no, I'll be on my YouTube channel tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. I'll be recapping my Herbert double stack that allowed me to uh, rise up the ranks of the spy contest. So if you want to check that out as well, I will be there bright and early 10 a.m. Eastern.
1: And as you've noticed throughout the show, possibly watching this on YouTube, I'll be drinking eggnogs to drown my sorrows of the afternoon slate, killing my Wait, profit.
0: You already have it. Have you gotten eggnog in the house? I love eggnog. So,
1: my, my girlfriend made it today because she uh, was spiteful towards my store bought eggnog last Christmas. Um, I would just dump rum and, <laughs> and like refrigerated eggnog because I'm a classy gentleman and I yeah. want a taste of eggnog. But she like made it in a pot and then like chilled it. And it was, it's definitely better, but like, you know, how much better? I don't, I don't want to oh. say it too loudly, Pete. <laughs>
0: Wow. I mean, eggnog is like one of my biggest uh, pleasures in life. So I get very excited and I've never attempted homemade eggnog. So I am intrigued by that.
1: One thing I was thinking, and this is uh, us just brainstorming on the fire before we call it quits. um, I think we should do like a drunk holiday show and maybe and I was thinking like, what if we did like an eggnog power hour? But I don't think we could do that because 60 minutes of that has a decent chance of vomit.
0: Yeah, I know. I, like, I am fully on board with the uh, drinking excessively, but the mixing in the lactose that heavily might uh, might be trouble. But let's uh, let's flesh this out because I'm, I'm definitely on board. Yeah,
1: so we'll we'll have some fun stuff coming up for the holidays. Have no fear. Hit that like button before you go. Subscribe on YouTube, five stars, and review an Apple podcast. Be back on Tuesday, and then we'll have our normal show on Friday for the main slate. So enjoy all of that. Thank you guys for watching. And we'll see you guys again very soon.